This is a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast. It's my pleasure this morning to host the third in our series of podcasts about the hospitality industry post-pandemic. Last time, Frank, Nigel and Ingrid focused on re-examining your proposition post-pandemic. We're going to spend some time today crystal ball gazing, considering what the future has in store. I think over to Frank first. Given the last 12 months, it's impossible for businesses to forecast based on historical figures. What can hospitality businesses use to plan for the future? Yeah, very interesting question. We've just gone through this process in my in my current business at um, Augusto, and, and it is it is <laughs> it is an impossible task at the best of times, and it certainly is now because, of course, um, looking back and looking at at historic um, trends and historic numbers it is of limited value. I, I think you still need to do it because it's a it's a frame of reference. But it's of it's of much more limited value than than it used to be. Um, we we have had a, a tiny bit. We we have had a tiny bit of data um, uh, when we reopened last year. So we've got we've got a little bit of a, a little bit of data to to focus on and to 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 think about as we reopen again. But but there is there is um, there is just a scarcity of of you know of, of data. And whilst whilst um, uh, I think Nigel is right that, that when we reopen, as we have done this week, and when we reopen properly in on, on May the 17th, I think there will be a large amount of pent-up demand. Uh, and I think we'll see customers flooding back to um, to restaurants and pubs. I think, I think if, if nothing else, customers have realised how important, you know, the hospitality sector is just to their way of life and how it provides a sense of community. So I think all of that will happen. But I think going forward... To me, for to my mind, it's less clear what the picture will, will be like, um, and what you know, we don't know. We don't know um, um, how COVID will will change or impact um, customers in the in the longer term. How they how it will impact their behaviour. Certainly, there will be more caution um, amongst certain groups of of, of the population. Um, and, and that's that's the sort of the the unknown factor. So whilst I, I do I do feel very optimistic for the next few months, uh, I'm I'm less clear about the future. And in that scenario, when one is putting together a plan, that the only way that I can think of of um, of properly um, uh, coming up with a with a sensible plan that the whole board can get behind is to offer either um, a couple of things to offer a number of scenarios and say, well, look. You know, this is what happens if um, if things go swimmingly, and um, and you know this this pent up demand continues for another year, two years, whatever. Um, but but also to offer some cautious cautious visions and say, look, you know, the reality is that we just don't know. So so therefore, we've um, reduced our numbers, or we've we've taken these these things into account uh, when coming up with these numbers. So I think it's a much more complex exercise than it than it has been um, because of the the uncertainty and the and the, the the amount of unknowns that exist I, I think it's going to be an exciting time um, uh, I think that there's a you're going to have a change of attitude I think a change of attitude is required I mentioned in one of our earlier conversations about historically what I saw is management teams that you know success was two percent like for like and the focus was on 
what's the next menu going to look like and what are we going to next store opening going to be and how are we going to refresh the brand in two years time um i think this is going to be a much more exciting journey for the things that frank's talked about i don't think that we can forecast demand beyond three months i i don't know how much is customers are going to settle back into ordering takeaway uh, or continuing to do home kits versus going back into the restaurant. So what I, what I think the difference in terms of management style is going to be required is the ability to cope with change up and down. And, and it's going to be short term. And, and, and a lot of restaurant businesses coming off the back of the last 12 months, obviously, are going to have to keep tight control over costs and overhead. And therefore, their capacity to cope with flux is going to be difficult. And so I think they've got to change the way that they think about how they manage these things. The, the, the changing of a menu in terms of incremental development from quarter to quarter, season to season, of course, that's going to happen. But you've got to be prepared for quick change. You've got to be prepared to be able to, to change things because you realise one thing's not working or another. The impact on supply chain and operations, as we talked about last time, will need to be quick change. Flex this, flex that. So I think companies need to be geared up to be able to flex their capacity internally, whether that's staff in kitchens, staff in restaurant, front of house. They need to be flexible in terms of capacity to come out to manage change in the supply chain. Different ways of doing that, having an in-house team of two or three procurement people, fine when it's continuity, business as usual, but having access to people who can act quickly to sort out problems, I think is going to be something that's going to be needed. And so I think that it's going to be a challenge for the leadership group to say it's going to be exciting it's going to be a bit stressful but what we've got to learn to do is flex and flex quickly and if we're going to flex and flex quickly we're going to have to redesign our sort of overhead and our structure in our business to be able to flex capacity and that might mean having to access external organizations when you need them to flex at different times now, it might feel like that mm, the guy from Procurefall is bound to say that because he offers flexible capacity. But actually, I hope people will realise that's an objective sort of try to be an objective view of how, how it's going to work. I think the backdrop against uh, against which all that happens, I agree with you absolutely, Nigel. And I think it's I think we're in for a very exciting and innovative time coming forward, uh, going forward. Um, stressful, yes, but but innovative as well. And um, it, against that, I think we need to see, and a lot of landlords are giving lip service to, um, shorter leases so that um, operators can have the opportunity to make decisions in short order as the market changes and as their businesses change. Um, a bigger mix of uses, uh, which goes hand in hand with the planning comments that I made in, in our um, previous podcast, um, that the more flexible um, use of space and, and a, a greater flow of uh, or a greater ease of change of, from one use to another um, or morphing even um, from, from one particular use to a mix of uses. Um, I, part of that, um, there's been talk about abolishing the 1954 Act, abolishing uh, security of tenure. 
um, for uh, for commercial leases, and uh, you know is is excluded from an awful lot of shorter term leases in any event. Um, and there's there's a lot of discussion around that, a lot of pros and cons. Um, but in order to create the flexibility that is required um, for the benefit of businesses and for the benefit of landlords who want to keep their um, their destinations um, the ones that people want to go to because they're giving them what they want um, it, having uh, dare I say archaic uh, legislation um, it's what nearly 70 years old now um, uh, around security of tenure um, is is actually preventing people do the deals around this that they that they really want to do thank you I think it's it's clear that no one could have predicted what has happened over the last 12 months and we all hope on both a personal and professional level that it was a one off. But to what extent do you think that hospitality businesses who are strategizing for the future now should be doing so with added caution or in fact is this a time to be truly innovative and think outside the box and and really really use this as a moment in time to rethink um, the future and the strategy going forwards. Uh, I think a bit of both, Caroline, to be honest with you. I personally, I think, you know, one, one has, to, um, one has to, to have a degree of caution because, because of the, to the extent of the, the unknowns. Although I do share both Ingrid's and, and Nigel's optimism um, for, for, for the future, but, but I, think, I think one has to, be, to, to show, to, to exercise a little bit of, a little bit of caution. But, and I think, and I think, I think Nigel made the point, which I fully agree with. I think, I think the way that, that one can sort of combine both is by being fleet of foot. So being cautious doesn't necessarily mean that one can't be fleet of foot. Uh, and I think, I think um, um, having a mindset, having that mindset as we exit um, the, the lockdowns and the COVID restrictions will stand many businesses in, in, in good stead. So being prepared uh, and being very sensitive to changes in the in in the marketplace and 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 what their customers are saying to them, talking to customers, I think you can you can be very fleet of foot. And I, I do want to support um, one of the other points that that Nigel made about um, perhaps one of the ways of achieving that is by buying in resource. And certainly, um, um, certainly, what we have done um, um, very recently is is. Um, We've outsourced the whole of our finance department, uh, and we've done that because um, that's allowed us to, um, you know, remove a head office, you know, a physical space, and um, and it, it's it's just meant that we've got a, a sort of a more nimble and a more nimble structure, and I think that is how um, companies should be thinking about the future, sort of a collection almost of of, of expertise. Um, that they 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 sort of dip in and dip out of. It's, it's how I make a living, um, and I think I think that's a that's a blueprint um, uh, uh, for the future, and it, it does enable that flexibility. Um, but because I'm a finance director, you know, I am also suggesting um, some caution is necessary. So, for instance, we don't want to get to the stage where we assume that. That the last sort of two or three days of, of trading are are, um, are a, a blueprint for, for how the you know the whole of the next year is going to go. Yeah, I, I think you know keeping the miserable CFOs out of the room for a while whilst they count on their spreadsheets and add things up. Um, I think it is an exciting opportunity to be innovative. I, I agree with that. I, I, that said, I think it's almost 
the key thing here and the, and the strong performing branded businesses were doing this already and that's why they were successful. We had the privilege of working with Wagamama for a number of years and that was a hugely successful brand because they understood entirely in what their customers wanted and how they could satisfy it and they did it absolutely consistently time and time again. That's the essence of a brand, isn't it? And I think, I think coming off the back of that and perhaps my sort of closing bit really is, is this thing which is to say, right, you, you, we have got some new ways, vehicles to access the customer, home kits, delivery, central kitchens, restaurants. And we do need to work out how best to utilize and balance those. And we do need to decide which of those we're going to back. But I think it starts by saying, what, what are we as a brand and how can we keep that simple and differentiated through whatever route to market we choose to, to follow? And by keeping that simple and clean, we also keep the operational efficiencies and the supply chain costs low as well. And then I think this thing about flex is then seeing as demand settles down six to 12 months out, starting to get a pattern of what elements to back, what elements to change, that is when I think people are going to have to be uh, very responsive, very quick, very dynamic to be able to, to, to change within each of those chosen paths. But I think it all starts with you've had 12 months, I'd say to people, you've had 12 months sitting back. It has forced you to think about things. You are constrained now with, by cash. You are constrained in terms of what you can do. So be absolutely focused on what you can do, what your brand is about, and back yourself, and then be nimble, then be really nimble going forward. Thanks, Nigel. I think that's a, a really good moment to end. Not only do I crave a Wagamama so much that I might be jumping onto delivery to get myself one for lunch, I think that's a, um, a really good ending message. Thank you so much to all of you for your time. It's been a, a really interesting discussion across the three podcasts, and I hope that our listeners enjoy um, your insights and, um, and get something out of it as they plan the future of their businesses. Thanks all. This is a Charles Russell Speechlease podcast. 